0: We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present, and emerging. This is Cheryl from Jajawarong Country. Welcome, everyone, to episode 81 of the Beyond 90 podcast. Gosh, it's exciting to be here because I really feel like I need a support network to talk about the game that happened last night, which was not quite the result that I was expecting. But um, congratulations to South Korea, terrific to see them progress, not necessarily at the expense of us, but, you know, they played really hard and I'm happy for them to be there. So, yeah, Um, (laughs) how was anyone else's week in football? Oh, football was horrible.
1: The, I mean, for me. I and mean, the only um the only plus side from the sporting weekend was Ash Barty as far as I was concerned. So Yeah,
2: big agree.
0: And a draw in the ashes for the women probably not quite cutting it in the same way that uh, yeah. Anyone else with any more thoughts about well maybe let's pause and and hold on because there's going to be a lot of detailed conversation to be honest about that game and and for those of you who are listening who Um, probably listen on joy you may not have watched the game i'm I'm assuming many of the real um spot on matilda's fans have watched it and getting ready to re-watch it in another 365 days or something thereabouts but let's move on to the podcast and in the same way as Eric did last week I've forgotten to introduce myself but hopefully people know um, a little bit about myself and the Beyond 90 team but my name is Cheryl Downs my pronouns are she her and I've got a terrific gang of people who support me in this program as well so we've got Madge who uh, supports me from a, a gender diversity perspective we've got Dale who's terrific and knows Heaps about football and loads about really weird things sometimes, but also quite this a bit about rugby. <laughs> quite a bit about rugby as well, and then we've got Eric, who is either driving or has finished driving. He's very soon going to be arriving at the um, A League Women's match, which is scheduled for tonight. And Eric is our wonderful editor co-host host, host when we throw it at him as well and um i'm not sure if you're the number one supporter of the philippines women's national team but congratulations to you as well for making it through to the semi-finals ah uh, all right let's pause Let's go back in history because sometimes history can be a wonderful thing, particularly when things aren't going so well. In 2010, we'll remember that the Matildas won the Asian Cup, but let's go back further than that and talk history of Matildas cap number 81 for Amanda Peterson. She only played five matches for the from for the Matildas. She debuted in 1994 and continued playing through to 1997. But one of the reasons that she only played five matches was that in the words of our mate, Sarah Groob, she's told us that it was a really tough era for goalkeepers. So as much as she was an outstanding junior and youth player, she was up against the might of Tracy Wheeler to try and earn a cap. So it's pretty tough. You think about some of the players that you think about the U.S women's national team when they had hope solo and how hard it was to get a cap and australia has had a a really strong um array of goalkeepers as well so it has been tricky for her so other notable keepers of the era were claire nichols and sarah king but pato in um groups as language was probably one of was Probably one of the first Australian players to try her fortunes in the US college system where we now see so many players and head off to College Matildas if you want to see more and more and more information about that Um, in an era where it was pretty tough from an internet perspective to get some decent footage out to show people what you were doing. Um, So congratulations to Pado, cap number 81. Also, she was a good field player, which is not the only one of her kind, because I think Melissa Barbieri has spent her time on the field in some of the um, Women's Premier League matches that we had back here in the day. And finally, I think the last thing that groups has shared with us, in a time where everyone wore black boots pato was one of the first to sport blue boots in australia which was purchased while she was on a tour in italy of marconi's tour actually in 1997 so she would be an absolute rock star of the game today featuring those beautiful
1: boots I'm so sure congratulations the- pato i'm sure there would have been some rumblings from the sidelines about wearing oh,
2: definitely blue
1: boots that bit, 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 bit <laughs> too flashy yeah
0: <laughs> yep all right, and let's keep it all positive for the moment. We've got some news that did come in this week. I don't know if any one of you wants to talk. Maybe, um, Dale, can I throw to you to talk about the, um, the um, Australia Day, Invasion Day honours and Sam Kirk?
2: Well, I mean, uh, as, as rare as it is for an athlete to be awarded a, a medal uh, while still, well, a civilian honour, I guess you could call them, uh, Sam Kerr was awarded the OAM, Order of Australia Medal. Um, and yeah, very rare to be awarded while still playing. Uh, Patty Mills was also among the cohort of inductees as well as a few other Olympians. But obviously, we're here to talk about the football. So yeah, Sam Kerr, OAM, how good. Um, very, very rare, as I said, for players to be uh, you know inducted into any form of honor system while still playing. So a huge congratulations to her. And I I don't think it would be uh, controversial to say very well deserved, especially after the season that she's had and the seasons previous.
0: Yeah, fair comment. And also, news that's come out of England. And I don't know whether or not Eric or Madge want to take this one in terms of maternity cover for the players in England. Which does it feel like they're a little bit behind us in in terms of we have had that maternity cover off for ages now? It's been days at least.
1: (laughs) I mean, it's great to see. I think. um, I mean, you can. I I, I don't think it's something that we sort of want to treat as a competition. Um, I think the more teams that have it the the better it is for world football so it's great Mm. to see the fa um getting on board and and supporting their players to um to make the most out of their careers and not have to make you know sometimes hard choices even harder um by providing some structural support because you know that yeah you 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 can say things like um oh you you see women women's players out there performing well and and being professional athletes but until we start breaking down some of the structural barriers like around the fact of life that a lot of women in prime footballing age also may want to have babies. Um, We need to structurally support that, which is something that of course men's football hasn't had the same um, dilemmas to have to deal with in the past. So it's great to see. And, And a wonderful
0: example as well with Brisbane Roar in, in how well Minnie has come back From having a baby just three, three, four months ago now, I'm not sure if it's rolled over to the four-month mark, but and I'm not sure of the support that she's received, whether or not she's still on a Matilda's contract and or how much support she's been getting from Brisbane. But, I mean, she's cracking Her, her game has just been absolutely terrific, and you can see that having a baby shouldn't be the end of your career, nor should it necessarily be a pause in your career longer than you want it to be. So providing the structures exactly like you said, to support the players in what they need brilliant so that absolutely has to get a some kind of a queen of the week title Um, and on to more good news in the week as well so the football of australia hall of fame nominees were announced and a couple of women in there as well so terrific to see kate gill or Catherine gill who is the co-executive chair of pfa and heather garriock so i think is she still on the board of taekwondo australia former Former Matilda, of course, former coach of Canberra United. So congratulations to the, both of those players for being inducted into the football Australia Hall of Fame. Love to see it. All right. Um, Asian Cup. Who wants to Who wants to start this conversation? I'm ca- conscious that we still can't see pictures of Eric, so maybe he's not entirely with us. But it wasn't the quarterfinals that was um, where we should pick up because there was a match in between then when Australia came up against don't know if I would call them our arch nemesis but I was in Jordan when they played the last Asian Cup and they they had a tough time playing against Thailand back then as well. Uh, Madge, I'm going to start with you because I feel like your background is so inspiring maybe more so for the next um, next game that we played but yeah talk us through what you remember potentially of that Australia Thailand match and and how it seeded itself into the following match.
1: Oh, the Thailand match! What do I remember about that? I, I do remember the the scary last goal and getting a bit of um, uh, that Thailand scored, of course, at the end. So I mean, we we won the game two one um in the end, um, but yeah, giving away from a set piece uh, was it a set piece at the end? The Thailand um, it was a corner that wasn't cleaned well, the, yeah, it mm. wasn't sort of closed down, and yeah, so. It was just, but at the same time, it was a cracking shot. So, uh, but yeah, it's one of those games where I guess going into it, you uh, would have hoped that the Matildas could have exerted some more dominance than they did. Um, Was happy to get the win was, because of that history, wasn't underestimating Thailand at all, knowing that they're a very capable team and capable of, Providing a real headache for us to um, break through, which um, which they obviously did um, with the you know, only being able to score the two goals. So um, I guess it was one of those, and I'd probably say the same about the South Korea game, expected result, but also a, a little bit just disappointing, but not unexpected either that they that we didn't run up a huge scoreline against against Thailand.
0: Eric, were we vulnerable in um, short corners or set pieces in that match against Thailand, given that's roughly how they scored?
3: Um, generally speaking, we weren't vulnerable. It was interesting that for the goal Thailand scored, you had about six players collapse, um, going towards where the ball was headed in the box, and this basically provided the space for the Thai player They were forced to come to loop this wonderful shot over Lydia Williams. And I did think, did wonder about the structure and the way they approached that, whereby basically, you know, someone can have a free shot from the edge of the box. Yep.
1: Mm. Yep. Yeah. Which, I'd Which is
0: similarities, not identical, but similarities in the result that we had against South Korea that someone was outside the box, didn't have a free shot. There were people around them. But I think those players were really fatigued. But let's not go there. Dale, your quick thoughts on Australia v Thailand.
2: Yeah, a lot of the same of what the what the other two have said. Uh, they, I think we, we went into this game knowing that we'd be playing against kind of a stacked defence and it was good to get some minutes into the legs of players who had been underutilised. But at the same time, you could have thought that this might have been used as a dress rehearsal for what we thought was going to be coming up um, in the following match. Um, but in saying that, I mean... As as Eric said, like you know, Thailand have been a bit of a bogey team for us in the past, and it was slightly worrying to see that that you know it was even finishing the game out. It was a little bit lackadaisical in defence, um, but again, uh, I, I don't think that we had any idea that that would have really transferred across to the next game. But I'm sure we'll come to that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Can we break it down as simply as saying the the forwards were good or bad, the midfield was good or bad, the defence was good or bad, because it's it's interesting that you, you mentioned that we were a bit lackadais- lackadaisical in defence. Everyone's job is to defend it, and that's yeah. something that I, I think is pretty clear across the board. But if we, if we have the conversation now about Australia versus South Korea, so for those who aren't aware of the result and probably the – the tone of our voices hopefully is indicated to you so far that it didn't go well for Australia or or on the scoreboard. It didn't go well. So Australia lost in the 87th minute. I think it was Jisoo Yun scored a a top goal, really, really um, superb goal for South Korea. She plays together with Sam Kerr in Chelsea. She's not unknown. She's a well-known player. We sometimes get our little, um, Goggles. I don't know what the horses wear, those goggles where they can't see a little bit left and right. We know that she's a good player. We know that South Korea has got a, a good team uh, on, the, on the stats board, not on the scoreboard, but on the stats board, we did pretty well. I think we did create a lot of chances. But if we break it down and say, did the forwards deliver? Did the midfielders deliver? Did the defenders or defensively, did we deliver? It's hard to say because a lot of the things on the stats board weren't too bad. Anyone?
2: I think that the biggest thing that stands out to me is the fact that we had two shots on target. Um, and, you know, for a team that is as flush with uh, excellent attacking options as the Matildas, like it's just not good enough. Um and I know that there were a lot of, there were a few that hit the bar. You had that Sam Kerr header hit the hit the post. You had that last minute where Kerr had the shot just off target, and Rasso just couldn't get it inside the post. But like, you, you know, in cricket they say catches win matches. In, in football, it's very similar. Like if you if you don't take your chances, you can't win games. Um, I think that there were, I think that there were so many opportunities for us to have tucked this game away, probably in the first five ten minutes like there was that there was an offside call that was pretty line ball but you know we're we're both playing with the same referee so you can't really blame the officials in that sense um and it did go to video officiating so like again you can't really blame them there but like the first 20 minutes we were we were all over south korea like a cheap suit and then we just forgot how to play football for like the next half an hour um I think Korea Republic were very lucky to get the spot kick call that they did get eventually after a six and a half minute delay, um, which I think was pretty farcical to be honest, although it did really help in icing, uh, uh, Cho, the, <laughs> Cho, Cho, so Cho So yoon whose ball is still coming down over the Himalayas as we speak. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there, there were a few questions from a, from a tactical perspective that really just weren't answered by the Matildas, unfortunately. Um, which is disappointing. It is. I I'm because I, I tweeted the game last night um, for beyond ninety. And um, the, the the biggest word that comes to mind is just disappointment. I'm not angry. Beaten by a better team.
0: Yeah. Madge, sorry, Dale, keep going if you want. Um and then throw to Madge. All right, Madge, your turn, obviously. It's um judging by your background, probably not the best day that you've experienced. Your your thoughts
1: any which way you want to flavor them. Um oh yeah look really disappointment um just echoing everything that Dale said i mean there there were chances there it, it it wasn't like um we were played off the pitch and and they just finally got their goal in um but i mean i reading some of the analysis from people in the uh, in the aftermath now it's like yeah i mean you do wonder about some of the second half subs um or this or perhaps the subs that didn't happen Remind uh, me who got
0: subbed. So we took Claire Wheeler off. Haley Razzo came on last, last minute. Yeah, yeah Gilnick so, came on last, last minute. Who else changed? Uh, Gil- uh,
2: yeah, Gilnick um, um, came in right at the end for Catley. Uh, sorry, I just... An had attacking replacement.
0: So, so that's yeah, maybe so, not the so, worst thing.
2: No, so Wheeler came off uh, in the 56th minute. was replaced by Courtney Vine, which meant that Emily Van Eggmon went to defensive midfield. Um, Vine moved across another right wing in place of in case of in place of Kai Simon, who moved into like a, a number ten, uh, and then Gilnick and Rasso came on after the ninety minutes as replacements for Ford and Catley. Uh, Vine, I believe, came off. Oh, sorry, no, I tell a lie. Vine came off um, for uh, for Rasso uh, because she was injured. She had a head knock. But again, to, they were all replaced. They were all attacking replacements in a time when we needed them.
1: Yeah, but yeah, I, and I guess the big one that stands out there was um, was Wheeler going off, um, and I don't. I think it was Cheryl. You, you were making the point. I mean, Wheeler probably wasn't having a fantastic game. I mean, probably the biggest game of her career. Um, so let's not put too much pressure because I know a lot of we've been pumping Claire Wheeler up. Um, and she gets into the biggest um game of her career and and maybe just not the best one. And she's not alone. She, she absolutely wasn't alone. There, there were other way more experienced players than her that um just didn't really look like they were firing, um no. as we would expect. Um so um. So that was just disappointing. And then and then you've got the, the age-old debate that goes on for Matilda's having EVE drop back, uh, Emily Van Egmond dropping back to the sixth, which is just, it's it's just not great. Yeah. You kind of wonder, I mean, would it have been better to bring on a Lewick? Um,
2: yeah, I'd have to agree with that. I think, like, the point that you make about Van Egmond is, like, yeah, she's a really good physical specimen and she holds the ball up well, but, like, she turns like the Queen Mary sometimes. She doesn't play <laughs> th- th- like 180-degree football. She's used to playing with the ball all around her. So she's not really adept at standing in front of a back four and being able to screen those passes that are coming through or block those players off. And I think the other thing with Wheeler was that it wasn't necessarily that she had a poor game on the ball. Her stated goal in this match was run and off the ball. I don't think, like, I don't, I think she, like, she didn't have a great game. She had like a five out of 10, but like her stated aim was not necessarily pass the ball upfield, you know, make incisive passes because you had, as you said, you have Van Egmont who's usually played as that eight or 10, but like her role was keep G. So, you quiet. And as soon as she went off the pitch, she just took over. G was just everywhere. She was buzzing around like, you know, a March hare. And there was one point where like, if anyone's just kind of like watching her run past. It, and I'm like, like, you can't you can't blame her because she takes a bit of time to get up and go. But like, you know, Wheeler was really there as kind of a as much as a gopher as a defensive midfield just to, to keep G busy. And I think she did that relatively well for 50 minutes. But as you say, I mean, a player who's only in her early 20s playing in her biggest international match, the biggest game of her career, and she drops the ball a little bit. Like, I can't blame her for that. But yeah, look... I think it, there are many things that are – and Emily van Egmond in defensive midfield is not one of them.
0: I, I think the game and the result is bigger than just one player, and I, mm. I personally want to be really mindful of that, and there's much more to the result than that. Madge – and I'll throw to Eric as well soon. Hopefully he's ready to talk to us, and he's just a, a little bit camera shy tonight, I'm not sure. But, Madge, how do we – how do we as fans and potentially how do the Matildas get out of this? I mean, obviously for the tournament and for people who aren't aware, the Asian cup is a qualifying tournament for the world cup, which is in Australia, fortunately, because it now means that we, we auto qualify. We wouldn't necessarily have been completely out of the running. We would have still been able to um, go to what are they, playoffs and, and whatnot, but um how do the fans get past this? If if you've worked it out, please tell me because I'm really keen because it's been a dreadful day. Um, and how do the Matildas get past this in your mind and, and probably throw it to the guys as well because as much as we are disappointed, I, I think they would have a different level and a different <laughs> devastated might be, yeah, just beyond what we're experiencing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's absolutely natural to be, be disappointed by this result. We, you know, went into the tournament as a top-ranked team, so you know it wasn't. It was absolutely not unrealistic of the, of the fans to have high expectations for this tournament. Uh, one thing I would say is, how about the worst um, prize you get for topping your group is getting South Korea, one of the best teams in Asia, in your quarterfinal match. I think in one of our previous pods, um, I actually was like realised, oh, this is the first time we've had quarterfinals, another knockout game that we can actually completely get stressed about, um, and, and that's tournament football for you. And, and what I would say to fans is, yeah, we can have debate about sort of the tactics that were used and um, players' form, but um, you've got to keep it in perspective as well. Um, South Korea, uh, a really good team with really quality players, and it's tournament football. There have been highly ranked teams getting knocked out of tournament football in, um, in knockout stages. In many a tournament, it won't be the, the last time it happens. Uh, I feel like Dale's probably got six
0: examples on the left side of his brain on those, so we'll throw to him as well to get the What are the biggest examples of people being oh, I mean, out?
2: Great Britain being knocked out by the Matildas at the Olympics. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Uh yep.
2: Sweden knocking out the US at the last Olympics as well uh, at the 2016 Olympics. Um not that what doubt... happens
0: to good teams.
2: Exactly, so it we're happens not saying to, it that happens Ketil to good teams a good team. 100%. Japan yep. got knocked out at the quarter uh, Japan got knocked out in the round of 16 at the last World Cup. Like it definitely happens.
1: So and and what I would like I, I think it's such a knee jerk reaction to just want to find a thing to blame. And so I, I guess from Myself as a fan, my knee jerk is absolutely not to get rid of the coach. Um, I think if you're looking for a solution, I think that's one of the worst ones out there. I've heard so many names of replacements being thrown about um, to come in. I mean, Tony's barely been in the job for more than what a year. Yeah. When he started, it was like, yeah, it, it's January last year, wasn't it? I think it was when he officially started. So he's, in the very first quarter of his tenure as Matilda's coach and he's been he's been following through on what fans have actually been um, asking for. is blooding youth, blooding new players into the team. Trying to balance that with having that balance of experience and youth at this tournament still got pillared for whatever combination got put forward. Yep. It doesn't matter what you do. Yep. Yeah. So... Didn't play the youth enough, and now um, you know I you know, shouldn't have, shouldn't have played all the youngsters in the third game because we needed to have the other players sharp. It's like, it's I mean, and I'm not a tactician, and I'm, I don't have the sports science um, information there as well. But I, uh, um, I think it's something where uh, we need to have a little bit of perspective, um, mm. and what I would really hope is that actually one point that we had in our really lengthy debrief on on the Matilda's active Twitter spaces after the game um, was that we hate losing. It it, it is totally awful, but it's actually probably losing from a place of where we were favourites. I think psychologically that that could be really bad for the team, but I actually hope and I think Tony's the person to do it, to be able to turn that into a real point of resilience because I think there's been like other World Cups um, and the Olympics where we've had heartbreaking defeats, but they've been from a place where maybe we were still the underdog. Hmm. Or, yep. So I, I I think there is, as with any horrible situation, there's always room for growth and and learning. And I and I think Tony is the person to do that moving forward. And yeah. I'm as disappointed as anyone. Hence, look at my background with the Flames, um, but.
2: I just thought that was your decor. Yeah,
1: yeah. Actually,
0: there's something going on there. You might want to get a fire extinguisher. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I've got a, I've got a question for Eric if he's around. So we'll see, see if he answers this. If he doesn't, one of you can pick it up. I'm more than happy with that. I do see someone that that's that could be Eric. That is someone with a mask, glasses, Eric's around. and a hat. This is what very, we like to see. Eric's very very coming to well us described. live from Blacktown Football Park. <laughs> <laughs> My question is. Were we favourites in our own minds and in the Australian media? Because this is a tournament with some really good countries in it, some really good nations. We've got Japan. You know, they're pretty decent at football. China are good at football. South Korea are good at football. There's a number of the AFC is getting stronger and stronger. So great if we really were legitimately favourites, but were we? And, again, I suppose what happens now
3: um, so, firstly, uh, this, I think this will be useful. This is useless for anyone just listening to audio, but there's wonderful, wondrous football center in Brodie Hill, uh, in some of the most in the country. But um, back to favorites, um, as I'll probably just turn this off and make my point now. Uh, tournament favorites? Nah, I think Japan were the tournament favorites. Mm. Uh, favorites for the quarterfinal? Yes, but not by a super huge margin in that sense a loss by one goal isn't that surprising. Uh, My concern with the game is the complete lack of, or at least I perceive the complete lack of control in midfield. So the ball got, the game got stretched very early. At times did resemble a basketball game. And I think they, yeah, I think Australia could have controlled it a lot better. And I think that's, And the career's goal, while brilliant, is also like you don't score goals like that every day. So there's a bit of an element of luck on the career side, although they deserve it. But um, yeah, like on another day, maybe the chances go in. But uh, going back to my point of control uh, for G So Yun's goal, uh, the two nearest players were Mary Fowler and Courtney Vine. So, like, two forwards. So, would have loved, you'd really need to have defenders and defensive midfielders in that area closing someone like G So Yun down.
0: Yeah, that, that's and a good I point. Think
2: to, I think and, and- to that point as well, Eric, just sorry to jump in there, Shaz. I think to that point as well about Australia not being favourites is I think a lot of Australians were kind of comfortable with the idea of Japan being tournament favourites because, you know, they're, they're, they're dual depending champions. They'll be the first team since China or that great Chinese team of the 80s and 90s to defend their championship three times if they win this one. I think Australia were really comfortable going into this tournament not necessarily being favourites, but going in with the mindset of if we get to the final, anything can happen. And now we've gotten to the quarterfinal and as anything has happened and that makes us really uncomfortable and makes us makes us uncomfortable that sometimes anything happens to us. Yeah, Like the point that Eric makes about... Um, defensive control and control of the midfield was, was something that we saw happening in the game against the Philippines where we just started going over the top because they, we started defending against it. We started attacking against a block defence. We knew that this was starting to happen probably half an hour into the game against Korea Republic and we panicked. We didn't understand what to do. We went, okay, it's time to go to plan B and plan B is a big red button, as Melissa Ordanic says in her ESPN article today, that says long balls over the top. Who Who um,
0: panicked? coaches panicked players panicked did they I think the players panicked from so they deviated from the plan that we had based yeah. on the pressure that they were feeling
2: well i don't necessarily think it's so much pressure as frustration because we so that game against korea we had 65 to 70% of the ball we had we completed something like 600 passes, which is plenty, mm-hmm. but a lot of that is sterile possession, and it's going to yep. to back to the defender, back to the goalkeeper, back to the defense, blah blah blah. It's not necessarily um, panic; it's more frustration. As I said, it's more that like, oh, okay, so this isn't working. I'm going to try and play a miracle pass, or I'm going to try and get the ball to occur as quickly as possible, or I'm going to take a touch that's too long and then blow up about the fact that I didn't at myself about the fact that it didn't work. Like, and that that frustration builds and builds. And then because you're running an extra 20% every time you have to run to correct that mistake or to get the ball off a defender, you start bringing that, you start bringing your fatigue level way, way, way up. And then you start making critical errors later on in the game. And the point that Eric made about Vine and Fowler being the only two defenders around G when she had the ball, that Korea were playing like a three, a little triangle training drill in the corner before G got the ball, to drive towards goal. And, Everybody was just cooked. No one could chase. And then G gets the ball and goes towards goal and scores. And like, as Eric said, you're going to score a goal like that maybe once every five years. Like that was an absolutely banger of a goal. Probably not goal of the uh, quarterfinals, but we might get onto that later. Chinese Taipei was very good. But you can't account for that stuff. And that's what I mean. Sometimes anything happens to you. It's just, it's you know, chaos theory. But... It's just a shame that people can't kind of like take a step back, as Madge says, take a step back and go, oh, okay, you know, sometimes it's okay to lose. What are our KPIs? What are our goals per, per se? Yes, we want to win tournaments, but also, as you, say, as you guys say, like, if we're getting 10 new, 10 new names into the squad over the last three months, then maybe that is the KPI. And maybe that will improve us going forward, excuse me, into the next World Cup.
0: There voice voices breaking there because of the... Um, Just very emotional
2: it, about Claire Wheeler.
0: It is, very, <laughs> it is very emotional. But, Madge, question for you as well. For, I mean, to me watching the game, there were the players and I don't necessarily want to call them out. Players look tired. That's not their fault. They gave everything that they could. Is there, I mean, how do we work through the reasons of why we didn't have some substitutions for some of those key players to refresh the team? to we've definitely got plenty of people available but I'm not the smartest person in the room or I wouldn't have been the smartest person on the the coaching seats or any anything or anything like that so there
1: must have been some logic to it help me out well I mean I'm not a coach but I mean something that comes to mind is that maybe the depth that we've been trying to build and the the players that were in the squad maybe they're just not there yet uh, and they just yep. need more time more time and you know you're a coach you make that call you, you kind of you, you're in a tournament and you're in, in a knockout game. Some people call it oh you just keep going back to the the, the players that can't be dropped. And it's like well no, maybe it's that uh, in a high pressure situation you're going to experience. Um, but I mean but then you know Courtney Byme was brought on. so I think um, I think still, there's been good balance. Um, And I think it's probably reminiscent to our other tournaments where we often have run out of legs or we have gotten injuries and haven't had the depth to cover later, later on in tournaments. So for me to answer that, yeah, I think it's maybe the the, the backup squad that we've got coming Mm -hmm. that's, that's building just maybe isn't quite there yet. Um, And, but then, you know, we've we've got another year, a year and a half, to build that greater experience. So I think they're going it,
2: on. If we had as many oh. defensive midfielders as we have goalkeepers, we'd be the best team in the world. <laughs> um, about, but you're you're right, match. It's um, it, it is. I just to just to on to match's point about conditions. I did have to laugh that I, I read a little bit in. I think it was the India Times this week. It was like Mumbai is experiencing its coldest winter in history. I was like, it's like 28 degrees. <laughs> Can we play one of these tournaments in like, I don't know, Tasmania or something where it's actually like cold at this time of year or play in, play in China again where it's snowing?
0: Now, Eric, are you holding on? Because I want to bring up the topic of VAR or VAR and Madge, I can see your eyes light up as well. We had a, we had a bit of a conversation about this in previous podcasts and I'm not saying that I love it. I'm not saying I don't love it. But interestingly, how it did play a role it may have been negligible in this game. We had one big call for, which was ended up being a pen, penalty in the 37th or 40th minute or something in favour of South Korea. took a long time to get that done. I think Dale quoted six and a half minutes. And on the flip side, I can't remember what time it was, but Steph Catley was in the attacking 18-yard box, which is amazing to see her up there anyway. But she was definitely grabbed and it wasn't called. In that case, would we want VAR?
3: No, absolutely well, We wanted not. it, but,
0: we'd, but it's a no, dark art, no. Eric.
3: Come on. No, it's not. It's procedural inefficiency. That's not dark arts. The <laughs> thing about the dark arts, there has to be something artistic, not just a referee viewing a replay over and over again. Um, my point about VAR, it's, it's unsatisfying when it works in your favour, which is probably the most telling thing about it. And it's just... Um, it's not even just the big calls. It was like the two-minute delays for both of the goals in the quarterfinal between the Philippines and Taiwan, where the, the players clearly on, on side, but let's wait for two minutes for some reason. And then the Taiwan goal like still kind cramp. of alluded to. It's It's two minutes it's just, for the players no, to relax. No. Now, um, no, 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 no. This is... I, I admire your persistence with this, but <laughs> despite the fact you haven't actually committed to an opinion on whether you like VAR or not, but no. And then the, the Taiwan goal, which Adele alluded, where it's just incredible goal, uh, right up where the spiders live from 30 or 35 yards out. They were reviewing that for two minutes. Why? Just get on with it.
1: Uh, Madge, do you, go, did you have some passion on this? Uh, I, I do. I, I'll, I'll just make a few points. VAR, um, it's supposed to correct things. Um, but the thing is after every game we're arguing about VAR as much as we are about arguing about what a just standalone Reps decision on the ground would have been you're just adding another official to potentially make a mistake or make a different kind of in- interpretation um, which football it is it's you know I, I've don't be um, officiating because um, there is interpretation of every, every call that gets made. So you're just adding another layer of interpretation onto the one game. Um, and, it, and it doesn't bring satisfaction to the game. All it does is peak satisfaction out of the game. It destroys big moments of goals. At least if it's a lino holding up the flag, someone being outside that takes away your goal, that happens pretty quick in non-VAR world. You don't sit around waiting yet for two minutes um, trying to just have joy. And it also just adds obnoxiousness when you're at a game when fans, just for every decision, start... Be- probably the support the supports the, the, teachers, the, in
0: the <laughs> Eric's happily at a game there. I'm just going to mute him up there so we can't hear him. Um, I... I'm still somewhat undecided. I think very, I have very high opinions of, of referees in general. I think they have an incredibly tough job. I think it's a tool to that to, for them to enable their jobs to be more successful. Most of the time the referees are making the calls anyway. So most of the time it's, it's not changing um, what's going on for them. Appreciate that there are inefficiencies, but, it's interesting to me at least, and I don't know if other people just, you know, as fans, we have, um, we have the license to say whatever we want because we're fans and we don't need to be credible
2: and we yeah, don't need to be us.
0: informed. You know, we mm. can just say whatever we want versus referees are, you know, they, they have reviews of their performance. They go through, I mean, it's a really challenging situation for them. And, and I, I, You know, if VAR or a referee calls it one way or another way, then most of the time I think there's a reason for it that I don't understand. And I actually Mm. took a little bit of offence to it and ended up muting the television, not just for one reason, but for multiple reasons, because there were such blatant comments about the, the... Um, The integrity of the calls of the referees, and I find that fascinating, and there was a chat group that I was part of, and we were talking about why don't we have more diversity on these panels, where you could have a referee who could sit on there and say, oh, actually, the call was this. And that's you didn't you don't understand it. You're just being a fan and you're like, I want my team to win all the time. Versus if you had an informed, credible person who's a referee, they could come on and explain it to people as opposed to being sensationalistic and pointing at the I'm not having a go at any one of you because I think we have that Mm. license but we also don't necessarily have hundreds of thousands of people watching our broadcast and saying those
2: things it's interesting because like that point that you make about having a credible source there telling you oh well that's why the decision was made etc etc it's interesting that like that kind of thing is becoming not my
0: idea but a good idea
2: yeah and becoming well I mean it I think we'll call it the Cheryl rule I think it is your idea and yours alone. Um, no, but it's, it's becoming more and more normalised on on television broadcasts. I know during the Men's Ashes, they had uh, Simon Torfel, who used to be a test match, uh, match mm-hmm. umpire, yep. giving some opinions. I know that they've had Howard Webb on, I think it's the NBC Premier League broadcast. He's been really, really good, referee to World Cup final. Um, just, and I, and I find those as a person who is a huge football nerd, I find those opinions really, really interesting. It's, it's, it's like I go, so like, obviously I go to a fair bit of football, men's and women's, and it's always interesting being for me as a Sydney men's fan going, standing in the cove and you get a lot of people who blow up about like poor decisions and stuff like that, or like, Oh, that should have been a red card. Like sometimes, you know, you're wrong. Sometimes you're wrong. And like, that's okay to be wrong. Sometimes the referees are wrong. I think that that call against Catley was one of the worst non calls I've seen in an AFC tournament. If I'm honest with you, but
0: oh, the referee, had, oh no, it But well like
2: the referee, the referee old. waved it away, <laughs> and the referee saw it, and the referee didn't think that, that was enough of a foul. But like, if we had somebody saying, "Oh," well, as you say, Cheryl, if we had somebody saying, "Oh," well, she saw that, she thought it was incidental conduct. Um, VARs reviewed it; they've decided it's no penalty. I think that as we as fans would be a better informed for that and see better yeah. off for it as viewers because we're learning about the game and we're going like, Oh, maybe we are wrong. Then again, we are human. So we do not like being wrong. Um, so
0: maybe VAR is not the answer, but maybe an expert referee commentator on some of these panels would be brilliant yeah. because then you can justify that I was right. Cause they said I was right. Yeah. I mean, ha- maybe I like I confirmation bias
2: in all my in all my media I will only enjoy tv media that tells me I'm right
0: all right let's let's talk about the semi-finals then we the Asian Cup has finished for us but, but not as fans if you still like Eric and like many of us we still love the game of football there's plenty of teams in there that we still love and we'd love to see how they continue and qualify because there's definitely still qualification spots up and about as well Eric it's only appropriate to give you <laughs> a little bit of time to talk about the Philippines and how um, they probably on paper I think were favourites to win over Taiwan mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. did but they didn't win emphatically in a way that we might have expected
3: I don't think they were emphatic favourites, I also don't care that they didn't win emphatically but um, so yes, um, so the Philippines they're very direct, they'd like to get the ball up there as quick as possible it was um, – I think they, they were the, probably the better team in the opening 45 minutes, although with a little bit of – although um, Taiwan had some pretty good presentable chances, which um, were saved well by Philippines keeper Olivia McDaniel. But I think I just want to cover this point because I'm sure everyone's noticed it. I think the optics of Olivia McDaniel are, are hilarious because she is like the white – she is whiter than two-thirds of the Matilda squad. But anyway um, – yeah, so onto the game. It was a bit onto that point about midfield control. I said with Australia South Korea, there wasn't really any of it, but the Philippines did uh, get the goal by keeping it alive after a long throw. That's from Quinley Kazada who is, I believe, teammates in Japan with Alex Judiak at Jeff United Chiba. But then it was looking good. But then, you know, Dale mentioned this, the, the goal of the tournament, Taiwan, in The final 10 minutes it goes right into the top corner from 35 yards out, and then it was, and well, then that was it. It was pretty much headed to extra time. Uh, if you've ever met any Filipinos, you know that we love drama, so this is just very in keeping with the national character. Neither team really looked like uh scoring an extra time, they're everyone looked tired out there, and it's certainly not something that the players at that level train for a lot. And then the penalty shootout I met, I encourage people to go and uh, see the footage of the full penalty shootout if you can find it somewhere because basically the Philippines were behind for a lot of it but then there were two big saves from Olivia McDaniel she also slaughtered home the, the fifth penalty to keep the Philippines in it Yeah, so yeah, that was between the two of her saves and then you know Serena Bolden the hero against Jordan in 2018 when she silenced the Jordanian crowd Tucked away the winner, and yes, it's history for the Philippines going to their first ever World Cup. I mean, there's probably something to be analysed, but with um, my level of sleep deprivation, I'm not the person to do it.
1: But let's say I, I like if, if you're going to have penalty shootouts, I like the idea of keepers saving shots. Um, yes, yes. Player skying and and um, or just having a a really a really bad um penalty miss so it's it's always it's it's more spectacular and um it's a really important nuance as well to say that and they we
0: have said it in the past I can't remember if it was Alana Kennedy you know people have said oh she missed the pen in fact didn't miss the pen pen was saved missing the pen means not in the goals heading towards the goal and not getting to the to the goal is quite different but generally i try and repress memories about um penalties because they don't sit very well with me but at least for eric it's a a positive memory so eric now the philippines have progressed through to the semi-finals and they're up against uh let me guess south korea i think yes it is any any thoughts about uh, that match which is on is it Thursday morning um, or Friday morning or something? No, I can't it's, some, it's a good – we got
3: the – I noticed we got the 7 p.m. I think it's seven. Thursday, Thursday 7 p.m., which I'm so lucky we got. So, no, don't have to stay up till 1 a.m. for that one. I think what – now, they – in the 20, 2019 World Cup qualification playoff held as part of the 2018 Asian Cup, South Korea beat five – beat them 5-0, I reckon it's going to be 4-0 to South Korea this time. I think it's after the high of qualifying, it's hard to bring yourself back up again, especially if yes. you've achieved something so historic for the country. Also, let's be clear, South Korea are so much better. And I think um, that's that's going to show. But the I think I speak on behalf of the Filipino diaspora when I say we don't care. We could lose 12-0. <laughs> I still don't care. So...
0: Terrific. And Um, then the other match.
3: Oh, sorry. Keep going, Eric. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I might as well go on to the other match, Japan-China. I reckon that's Japan. Maybe like a 2-1, a single goal victory. So we'd set up a Japan-South Korea final, which is wonderful. And also China beating the Philippines in the third, fourth place playoff. I think that's pretty likely. Also, I think uh, Japan-South Korea-Japan would be favourites in in that one should that particular final eventuate. I I think they're favourites in every game they play in the AFC, to be honest. Now, I think it's worth speaking about the qualification playoff to decide yes. the one, the the other automatic qualifying spot that doesn't go to the to the um uh, that that obviously the other apart from the nations that qualify for the semi final and the two playoffs two qualification playoff spots, which will be this wild intercontinental playoff that's too difficult to explain. So basically, it's Thailand, Taiwan, and Vietnam. They'll play in a three-team round-robin over the next week. Um, and the, the top top of the group after that particular round-robin is going through as the last automatic qualifier to next year's World Cup. The other two going to the Intercontinental Playoffs. And that's that will be some, uh, I think, very musty uh, football as well. Now, I think, I feel like the game's about to start. I would actually like a live tweet. This would be on 90s. So I'll just... Um, I think Tell I'll us your step point of the
0: week and we'll let oh, you yeah. disappear. Yes.
3: Yes, So my queen of the week, I've already alluded to, it. I can't talk about this player enough, This Philippines goalkeeper Olivia McDaniel. Uh, she's been great all tournament. She can kick a ball to the moon. She's saved two penalties and scored a penalty of her own, as I said, in the shootout. And the way I had a feeling she'd take a penalty just because of the way she strikes the ball when she kicks it out from the back. Um, and it's a, really an unassailable choice for my queen of the week.
0: Thank you very much for that, Eric. I appreciate it. We also lost Dale during Thanks, the podcast. He had to go off and do some other things. Eric is now going to do the call for um, – I, I think, is he doing a, a call? Because he was not in his container, but he's certainly standing on a um, some sort of trellis to be in a great position to look at the game. Um, Madge, you and I left. What if some of your um, maybe the dub is too much to delve into in the time that we've got? But what have some of your mates said ab- about the game?
1: Um, oh, to be honest, I think we've all been a bit a bit shell shocked. Um, but I mean, I, I, yeah, I think it's just boiled down to yeah, South Korea were a good team. Um was yep. not unexpected. Yeah, disappointing. And- because you would think with the players we have, with the team that we have, we should have had the quality to be able. To. So, so it's, it's annoying winning uh, a, a game that, that on paper should be winnable for you. Yeah. Uh, and, and the fact potentially that it was such a,
0: a close game in some respects, but also a game that we generally as fans expected to win. And then the, the way that the media plays into this that, is that they will hype it up. And it was an interesting. I watched Offsiders um, on Sunday morning and they were talking about a little bit of tennis. This is a football um, podcast, but talking a little bit about tennis. A question was asked about to one of the panellists about Ash Barty and said, you know, is she a big deal? And he said that in, in the US, she's not really. She's not mainstream. She's been... Um, ranked number one in the world for 100 weeks or something or other she's won three um, slams so she's definitely not someone that you would not look at but in terms of her visibility and presence in a different area she's not seen in the same way so I just wonder if we color our opinions through looking at you know we've got uh, green and gold goggles of the Matildas and, and they'll win and you know, that's a match, which if we stepped away and I think you and I think the same thing, you step away and you actually think that, yeah, South Korea was always going to be in the match on paper or anywhere you look at it, it was always going to be a challenge. So I and maybe hopping onto a slightly different topic, I feel like social media has again, gotten to one of those places where it's not been safe to be or safe is the wrong word. It is It is not a nice environment to be at the the moment. There's lots of finger pointing. There's less love of the Matildas, which I'm just a, (laughs) I don't know if you call them a lover or a fighter or something. I'm just, look, win, lose or draw, they're the Matildas and I support them and I back them. And I don't want to be one. And that doesn't mean that I am not critical of when they could have done better or whatever, but it doesn't matter. Absolutely. still still happy still think they're great still think that they'll be in it to win it still think they gave it their all but there are certainly elements on um on social media which isn't as nice and it's hard as a fan to see that come out and i don't know anyone out there who's watching it and madge maybe you can comment as well that if you feel like you're feeling threatened about what was your safe environment um just make sure that you're taking care of yourself. There are some comments out there. Quite often they're from people who aren't necessarily well informed about the game and they would have a go at it anyway. So, yeah, Madge, I don't know if you want to add any thoughts, but it it's yeah. certainly it's painful sometimes.
1: Yeah, I think um, on absolutely I agree with you, Cheryl. And, and on that point, I think I made it last night when we were debriefing again is that, The appointment of losing a game is one thing, but, you know, they're my team and I follow them and I'll I'll love them and I support them. But what made me just by the uh, another day of just looking at the social media discourse and actually even just going straight into the post game where Andy Harper just seemed like he had a speech set up um, that just felt really like it was just he had it written before the game ready ready to do the cliche of the, the is the coach's head on, on the chopping block just such typical go-to mainstream media discourse and, and then that across social media just went to another level where it actually just makes following the sport not enjoyable when it should be something that's enjoyable even when it's depressing. Um, it, I, I, don't, I don't understand why people want to make something that it isn't life and death i know i know there's all that rhetoric out there about sport is life and our team is you know you bleed for your team and like it's life and death but it's it's not um and when you just get bombarded with gross over the top negativity and that's like you say it's not about not being critical about you know selections and tactics and and it's not about us being, oh, we can't handle any criticism of our precious little team, which I've heard a lot of discourse as well um, recently. But it's just, no, at the end of the day, I actually just don't want to be getting into raging fights in every comments thread that's talking about the Matildas. There's been some comments threads that I've seen on some of the groups that have actually been really good. They've been really respectful in talking about the different decisions that have been made. They've been like, oh, okay, so there's some some sensible people out there, but they'll always be tainted just by just really flippant and um, um, it's like it, you don't always have to have an opinion. Basically, um, yep. Sometimes you can just be disappointed and 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 move on. But it, it yeah. just it felt not primarily because the team lost, but because of the discourse around it is what made me feel a bit has has had me a bit feeling just down today
0: yeah absolutely and the Matildas being one of the teams who are you know one of Australia's favorites so with that comes a lot of visibility a lot of recognition a lot of expectations a lot, a lot of uh, funding and branding and all those kind of things and support so there's definitely going to be some people out there who aren't happy about that for whatever reason we're on the same side people we you know we're cheering for the Matildas just do it in a respectful way there were certainly some comments that were on Twitter that I saw which were disrespectful and have been reported so you know given that this is going live on joy there are a a number of players in the Australian team who identify as not straight I, I suppose Sam Kerr being one of those she is out and there were some comments about her on there that i hope she will never ever see she doesn't need she probably doesn't care about it but for other people to see the way that they um use that kind of language it's inappropriate and there are people at different phases of their lives that would see that and it would really be painful for them to see it so um, we certainly discourage that we've uh, we managed not only the beyond 90 facebook page but the matildas and and a league women's supporters group and there've been some inappropriate comments on there as well which have been removed um so we will continue to do that and make sure that absolutely have critical commentary but make it in a in an appropriate way so yeah thanks for that madge i think it's maybe a little bit of the the unseemly side of football but In a way of no other sport do we see, in my opinion, do we see some of these... um gaps in the way that we behave but anyway let's move on Um, we're probably getting towards the tail end of the pod to be honest we can't keep going forever although i feel like i need therapy now and and many of us probably do (laughs) maybe we'll have a group chat after this at some point but um, good to see the matilda's active support have a chat on twitter or or a, a room on twitter and i'm sorry i wasn't there i think some of us
1: just needed to internalize our dilemma actually a big thanks to joey peters who um who really got on there and like she basically moderated the chat um she (laughs) had some fantastic thoughts um and in her her wonderful um inclusive and and her approach to building grassroots football and, and building a culture around football that's about fun um i actually think was really cathartic for a lot of people in that room Yeah. Good
0: on you, Joey. Love your work. And I can't remember if we've had Joey on this podcast, or it was back in my olden days when I was another on another one, but she was terrific to talk to there in between all of this and I'm not sure why because I'm not sure why it wasn't maybe Eric or Madge or someone would know the answer but why we didn't have an international window for an international qualifying tournament was unclear to me but the A-League women continued so we had um, three matches which had been played which saw the Wanderers go down 0-3 to Adelaide so Adelaide doing really quite well Brisbane went down 1-2 against Melbourne City Newcastle had a 3 all draw with canberra and perth and wellington are playing tonight so eric's at that game um five matches scheduled for next week we've definitely had some COVID impacts but let's maybe co- talk quickly and i won't even talk about um around the world but let's talk about our queens of the week eric's done
1: his um queens jokers kings non-binary royalty madge anyone Oh look, I mean, I, I think I can't go past um, Heather Garryock and um, and Kate Gill getting inducted um, into the Hall of Fame. Um, just a great um, great honor for both of them, uh, who've also just gone on to give so much back to the game after retirement as well. So still actively involved in um, in in different respects, and it's great to see them honored that way. Yeah, fair enough. Um, I give my Queen of the Week
0: to Steph Catley. Um, Steph has been for such a long time one of my most favourite players out there, if not my favourite player at all. She had her 100th cap in the match that we just have been talking about. So congratulations to Steph on what your 100 caps, but also good to see her fronting the media at what would have been a really difficult time, talking to Safe Media in Anne Odong, who was there um, as part of the the Matildas, but appreciate the words that she had to say about how they are also disappointed because it, it really... It really gets to them. They really care and love about their football. But I I also acknowledge that some of these players will not necessarily continue on to the next Asian Cup. We've got a big year next year with the World Cup and that might be the end of the cycle for some of them. So there's been a couple of Matildas who are still there from 2010 when they last won, when they only won the, or they won it for the first and only time. Um, They may or may not be around anymore. So anyway, my final shout out to Steph. Katley, on your Steph, love you, love your work, love the Matildas. Um, never say die. We'll be back, um, or the Matildas will be back. We will also be back. Thank you for listening to us. Hopefully everyone is feeling safe and well. If you feel that it's not a safe space at the moment, please reach out to people to support you. Um, we're here to support you too. If anyone ever wants to talk to, to me, not that you would necessarily, but me, my dogs, my wife, um, <laughs> Madge, anyone who can help you out, just make sure that you're leaning into the people who are there because football is a big part of our lives. And for some people, it, it's they don't have a, a lot else in their lives. So take care. Thanks for listening. See you later.